All right. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Uh, we are back with uh, episode five of the Social Construct of Leslie podcast. Uh, this episode is going to be entitled uh, Green Fire and Senator Dave. Uh, I don't know if Dave Severson is a state senator or what, how the senator, I don't, I'm not going to lie, I don't, I got to figure out how that works specifically, I'm showing my ignorance, uh, however, uh, the previous four podcasts, uh, we have went through the events of May 30th, 2020, well, we went through the events leading up to May 30th, 2020, including the murder of George Floyd and protests taking place all over the nation and all over the globe. Uh, then we uh, went through the things that happened here locally on May 30th. Uh, then we went through some of the things that happened locally in the days in between May 30th and June 2nd, when the second protest would take place in the city of Rockford, Illinois. Uh, and then uh, we took two episodes to go through the uh, uh, those events and the events of June 2nd. And then uh, our fifth episode, we went through the events of June 3rd and June 4th, uh, the days leading up to the third protest that took place uh, here in Rockford, Illinois, uh, which was the protest that had the first die-in uh, occur. And so we're going to pick up on uh, June 5th, 2020, one day after uh, the the first die-in occurred. Uh, I would think that the the, one of the first things I think is uh, important to point out about the uh, this next protest that took place on June 5th uh, is the planning, the planning and the organizing that went into it. Uh, excuse me, sorry about that. Immediately after uh, the protest that took place on June 4th was ended, uh, we began uh, planning the protest that would take place on June 5th. And in all actuality and honesty, uh, myself and RYA, uh, at the time I was part of the Rockford Youth Abolitionist Organization that was that is located here in Rockford, Illinois. Uh, and one of the things that, sorry about that, it's a motorcycle. Uh, for anybody who may be listening to this uh, podcast for series for the first time, uh, we do record this podcast series outside of the City Hall in Rockford, Illinois. Uh, we've been outside of the City Hall in Rockford, Illinois for the past uh, uh, year occupying the city hall in Rockford, Illinois to bring awareness to police terrorism, mass incarceration, and racial injustice in Winnebago County. So if you hear cars passing by or horns honking or uh, uh, me having a, an abrupt conversation with somebody, uh, that is the reason for it. <clears throat> Uh, but so June 5th, 2020, we would uh, immediately after the protest that took place on June 4th, 2020, which was the first die in, uh, which was uh, people gathering and meeting at Saturn Park. Uh, I would excuse me. Sorry, I hit the mic. Uh, I would return home and we would begin uh, planning for the next protest uh, on June 5th, 2020. Uh, one of the things for me personally I felt that was important was to try to go to a different area of the city than we had uh, been in prior. I think, uh, again, it's important to note that May, the protest that took place on May 30th and the protest that took place on June 2nd both uh, had people meeting at Haskell Park and had people predominantly on the west side of the city of Rockford and in, uh, in downtown Rockford. Uh, and then it was 
the protests on June 4th, which would be the first one that would uh, expand the area uh, in which these demonstrations uh, were taking place at. And so I, I felt personally that the, an, an impotence uh, to continue to expand that area and to go to another uh, uh, part of the uh, side of town on the east side or another part of the east side of town. Uh, and again, the... Uh, the die-in uh, was the demonstration that I felt was, uh, that we felt, you know, again, I'm saying I because I'm telling these things from my perspective, but these were, these were all collective conversations had between me and members of RYA. One of the things that would be happening regularly through all these days is uh, having uh, group phone conversations and group phone calls, uh, and, and we were in a group messaging chat, and uh, the members of the of the, of the Rock for Youth abolitionists were uh, exchanging ideas with one another and exchanging uh, tactics with one another and trying to uh, uh, figure out which way was best uh, for us to proceed with the uh, next protest. And so uh, we would come to the conclusion by the end of the night on June 4th that we would host the next protest uh in the uh, rock, uh, we would host the next protest on the east side of the city of Rockford, Illinois, near, and we would have people meet near the Carlson Ice Arena. Uh, at the time, one of the things that we were still trying to figure out is the exact type of nature of the protest. We have been watching, as in other cities uh, in the nation, people were staying uh, outside in the streets for the entirety of the evening and the entirety of the night. Uh, in some places, even seeing uh, people uh, stay in these areas for uh, days at a time uh, and not leaving the area. Uh, and so one of the things that we we were cognizant of is that we wanted to get to a point eventually where we could uh, set up set up a protest to be at a certain place or set up an event to be at a certain place and occupy that space uh, for an extended period of time. And so uh, initially, one of the things we did want to do was to occupy the space at Carlson Ice Arena after the march uh, from uh, for an extended period of time, even after the march and the uh, die-in was all finished and over with. And so uh, the, the graphic that was released and the graphic, the graphic, I, I want to say the graphic got released in the in the night that night or in the morning. I'm not 100 percent sure. Uh, again, we were we were trying to not we were in a place where we were trying to not release graphics too early or release the, the location of events too early because of uh, some of the tactics that the police department were taking and uh, calling locations and calling places and shutting them down uh, because of some of the tactics the police were taking with uh, moving so many uh, uh, officers and, and, and units to the areas that we were at. Uh, and so in an effort to try to thwart that some, we were trying to uh, wait to the last minute or wait till uh, wait as long as we could to put out the location uh, and the time of the events. Uh, but once we would uh, come to the conclusion of where we would have the event at, uh, once we would uh, at the time again try to sort of have in mind a plan to try to do a, a, a overnight sit in. Uh, and to occupy the space longer. Uh, once we had decided uh, the sort of the route and the general area we would march at and uh, we would put the event up and we would put the time and the place up. Uh, I think one of the one of the other things that I want to point out that I was uh, that was uh, heavy on my mind as well during this time uh, was trying to find 
another element to add to the uh, to the to the demonstration, trying to find another element to add to the die in. Uh, and so uh, I, and I say this a lot of times to try to explain to people uh, some of the motives or some of the reasonings that others had when they came out to these uh, protests in the, in the very beginning of this uh, of this movement. Uh, and on May 30th, I believe that people came out to. Uh, to district came out to Haskell Park and then to District One and marched and all of these things uh, in an, in a desire to uh, in a desire to feel the things or in, in a desire to uh, experience some of the things that they were seeing online to experience some of the things that they were seeing on social media and a desire to experience uh, maybe things that they had read about in newspapers and such. Uh, and then May 30th happened in the way that it happened and people were brutalized and people were falsely arrested. And it was uh, an uprising and a rebellion that took place uh, in, in different areas of the city. And so when June 2nd came around, there were a lot of people who uh, came out to uh, Haskell Park to get to get the experience that others had on May 30th to feel the things that other felt so others felt on May 30th. And so uh, the. The goalpost has sort of been moved in a way in which people were no longer coming out to experience something that they had seen uh, happening in Oakland or in Chicago or in L.A. or in Atlanta or in Minneapolis. But they were coming out to experience something that they had seen happen here locally in Rockford, Illinois. Uh, and then on June 2nd, uh, people would take to the streets and march and the camp film cameras would be out there. It would be a lot of energy and uh, people would get some of the things that they came out to experience, but it would not be the same type of event that took place on May 30th, 2020. Uh, and then what I think is important to point out is that uh, when people came June 4th, 2020 to that to the next protest, uh, I believe people were still coming to get some were coming to get the things that they had uh, uh some were coming to experience the things they had seen on uh, on May 30th and the things they had seen happening locally. And I'm sure there were still some people who came out to experience the things that they had seen happening nationally. Uh, but once the that initial once we marched and that initial die in took place and that that moment sort of swept and that energy swept over everybody that was there and all of these things were being filmed for uh tens of thousands of people in the city and in this area to see. Uh, I believe that uh, what happened next is that when people came out on June 5th, 2020, the Carlson Ice Arena, people began, people came out to experience what had happened on June 4th, June 4th, 2020. People came out uh, to experience the energy that was in the emotion that was around the uh, the die-in uh, demonstration. People came out to experience the energy and emotion that uh, was around us marching in the streets uh, and before the die-in. And that was around the, the, the testimonies that different people gave about their, their experience in the city. Uh, and so I think that that was... Uh, that was one of the uh, the successes, one of the uh, the main successes that I believe came out of the die-in that took place on uh, June fourth, two thousand twenty. Uh, and so, uh, one of the things that I ha I was uh, heavily thinking about, and something, one of the things that was on my conscience very heavy at the time was, and all of our conscience in general, uh, in uh, Rock for Youth Abolitionists and the uh, folks involved with the, with these demonstrations was uh, trying to trying to continue to uh, provide uh, that thing that people were coming out to experience, but uh, at the same time also uh, add another element to it. And so one of the things that I have been thinking about doing uh, 
one of the things I had been thinking about doing heavily was uh, bringing, I had some, some pairs of handcuffs uh, and bringing a pair of handcuffs out. Uh, so that way when I uh, lay down for the eight minutes and 46 seconds for the die-in, uh, I could be handcuffed while, being, while, while that was going on. And I felt that even though it was just a small adjustment to the, uh, to the demonstration, I felt that uh, that was something that uh, still changed it some. It added another element to it. It added this, other, this extra element of surprise to it. Uh, and I, thought, I felt that it added an extra element of emotion to it. Uh, and so that was, that was something that after going back and forth, I decided that uh, I would do to uh, add to the demonstration. And uh, as, we, as we get into some of these... Uh, to some more of these events that took place and protest demonstrations, things that took place for me personally, as a uh, you know, and I've said this in the on the first episode, I haven't really reiterated it again. But I was a, I am a, a, a hip hop artist, a rapper. I consider myself an artist and consider uh, consider uh, music to be the art form that I uh, that I engage in. But as I was going through and learning more about uh the uh this struggle against police terrorism and mass incarceration and racial injustice that was happening all over the world uh, i was trying to find a way that i could uh, uh put talents or uh, that i had uh and use them to uh to play a part in this movement that was happening. And for me, uh, I began to find art in some of these demonstrations. I began to find uh, uh, artistry in, 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 in ways to set up these protests and things of that nature. And so uh, for me, the demonstration became, uh, you know, an art form and uh, the handcuffs were a way of adding uh, another element onto that art form. Uh, and, and another way to try to get to, you know, get those emotions out of people and to get those feelings out of people. Uh, what's up? What's up, man? Uh, we got a we got a motorcycle here. I don't know. Uh, hold on. All right. OK, sorry about that. We outside. We outside motorcycle, loud cars. Uh Okay, so sorry, I got a few notes here. I want to make sure I hit all these things. Uh, so uh, this would be around the time too that I would I would do like the I would do my first live off of the RYA Facebook page, uh, and I would these first lives that I would do off the RYA Facebook page would just be me setting the phone up uh, in my in my on the patio in my backyard uh, and talking about my experience. Uh, and talking about my experiences and talking about my perspective uh, and also trying to inform people about uh, where we would be at for these, these events and the reasoning for these events and stuff like that. And so uh, this will be, I believe, June 5th, the, either the night of June 4th or the morning of June 5th would be the first time I would do a live uh, and address you know people from uh, do, using that medium. Uh, and as we fast forward to where we are today, uh, I can see how much not only I've grown in being able to articulate and communicate uh, to uh, the community about these issues, uh, but also how much the, the platform of using these lives just in general have grown, you know, to the point where now with the May 30th Alliance, there's multiple people who go live uh, from Occupy City Hall and speak about their personal experiences and their personal perspective and speak about all of these issues uh, from the vantage point that they sit in. Uh, and I think that uh, when I trace that back to the roots of it, the first thing that I think about is June 4th and June 5th when I first began to go uh, live off the RYA, Rafa Youth Abolitionist page. And uh, 
So the morning of uh, June 5th will come, and by this time, the graphic is out. Uh, the place, the time and place for the event is out. And I believe, again, it was 5 o'clock. Uh, uh, we were trying to keep a maybe, – maybe it was 6 o'clock for this one. I don't know. I, but, again, it was uh, evening. Early, it was early evening was when we were planning all of these marches in an effort to make sure that even though COVID was – and, again, I want to uh, emphasize that the uh, shutdown was in heavy uh, because of COVID. So the only things that were really open were, e were essential uh, places of work. Uh, but we were trying to make sure that uh, by doing it at five o'clock, that as many people as possible had uh, opportunities to come and to be involved. I think one of the reasons that we wanted to do another one, so another protest, so immediately after doing a protest on June 4th and, and the ones we had just had June 2nd and May 30th was to capitalize on the energy uh, that was around these, the movement, the energy that was around these issues. And to also give people who maybe couldn't come on May 30th or couldn't come on June 2nd and couldn't come on June 4th uh, another opportunity or multiple more opportunities to come out uh, and experience these things. And so as the morning of June 5th, afternoon of June 5th will come, uh, we would uh, begin as just as, as the times before, uh, me and members of the Rock for Youth Abolitionists uh, planning, uh, planning routes. Uh, and I would point out that I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not great with directions. I'm not good with directions. So I wasn't necessarily uh, the person that was uh, heavily involved in planning these routes. Uh, but uh, I would be getting information about where the routes would be, what routes we would be using. And so uh, we would begin to plan out the routes and communicate with the uh, uh, bike team about what the routes would be and with people who were going to be driving in cars, leading the marches, what the routes would be. Uh, one of the other things that would uh, happen in uh, morning afternoon of June 5th would be us trying to figure out what all places we would go to uh, as we uh, once we went to march in this area. Uh, one of the places that I wanted to go to specifically uh, was to RBI. Uh, and the same reason why on the, uh, later on we'll speak about going to Murphy's on June 6th at the protest that happened. Uh, but in the city of Rockford, Illinois, uh, it is a known fact that the uh, bar culture here is heavily steeped in racism. Uh, I'm sure you probably... Honestly, you probably have to go to a city that has a, a very much higher percentage of uh, black people and people of color in it for uh, the uh, for bar culture to not be steeped in racism. Uh, but nevertheless, the bar culture here is heavily steeped in racism. People have experienced uh, heavy racism at RBI, and it's something that people have talked about regularly. Uh, when uh, May 30th took place, uh, one of the things that was one of the things that was uh, being circulated online was a, a post where people said where somebody said uh, instead of going in uh, looting at levels and looting at normas uh, people should have went and looted RBIs and looted Murphys because of how racist they are uh, and that was something that stuck with me heavily uh, because of the fact that uh, it was shared a lot. It had a lot of likes. It had a lot. Of, had a lot of reaction. It had a lot of engagement on social media. Uh, and and I personally have never uh, I've never been to RBI as a patron. Uh, I've never been to Murphy's as a patron uh, either. I think maybe I've been to Jack's one time uh, and went to the Rue out here a couple of different times with some friends. But for the most part, uh, I've never. Uh, I have not engaged in the bar culture that exists out here i uh, I'm, i was a party guy like i liked house parties a lot when i was when i was in my kick it days uh but i have seen and i have heard uh, the experience that people have at these bars out here, uh, the racism that exists in these bars out here. 
Uh, I've heard, you know, people talk about how uh, certain bars don't have doesn't don't keep Hennessy inside because they feel like uh, uh, black people uh, drink Hennessy and uh, they don't want black liquor there. And, you know, all types of microaggressions that exist in the, this bar, the bar scene around here. And so I felt it would be important for us to go by RBIs. Uh, I, uh, one of the other things that's in this area is. Uh, uh, Woodman's, a grocery store, uh, grocery store chain that exists here. Uh, and as we have pointed out before uh, on June 4th, one of the reasons that we went to the area that we went to on the east side of town to uh, to march uh, the, on June 4th was uh, and meeting at Saturn Park and marching down Forest Hills Plaza and marching down near Target and all of these stores uh, was because we wanted to uh, have interaction and engagement with uh, the people in the community who would be shopping in these places, who would be shopping at these stores. And so uh, we didn't have a desire for these stores to be closed or for people to not be out. Uh, we wanted people to be out. We wanted the stores to be open so we could raise awareness to these issues. Uh, oh, we, got a, we got a motorcycle here. I don't know. What, what song he listening to? He got a green. He got a green. He finna pull off. Let's let him pull off or we keep going. All right, y'all. Sorry, y'all. This the... These the hazards of being outside. <clears throat> uh, okay, so, uh, I, so I wanted to go to Woodman's, wanted to go to RBIs, and then I, I had, as I had said before, on June fourth, the morning afternoon of June fourth, I had had a meeting inside of the uh, conference room of Swedish American with uh, Tom McNamara, the mayor of Rockford, Illinois, uh, and he had brought along with him Tony Turner. Uh, a, a black man who's involved with some nonprofit organizations out here and involved in some some uh, community community things out here. Uh, and he had also brought with him uh, Anquinette. Uh, and I don't can still don't know what Anquinette's last name is. Uh, but Anquinette is a black woman who uh, works inside of the city hall in Rockford, Illinois. Works part of, works for the city of Rockford government. Uh, and I had exchanged numbers with uh, all three people, but at this point in time, the only person who I had uh, made any kind of extra contact with was uh, Tony Turner. And so uh, on the morning, afternoon of June 5th, me and Tony Turner would have uh, a phone conversation, which was uh, it was a good phone conversation. I think one of the things I will, I, I do want to make sure I point out uh, about Tony Turner is though, even though I believe we have some uh, uh, idea, some strong ideological differences. Uh, I do, I, I do believe that, uh, the intentions that, uh, Tony Turner has are, uh, the right intentions. Uh, I don't uh, necessarily agree with the, uh, all the tactics or ideologies that he implements. And, uh, I'm sure that's uh, one of the things that's, uh, true for, uh, me as well. I'm not, uh, that people don't agree with all the tactics and ideologies that, uh, I implement, uh, but I will say that I have anytime I've had conversations with Tony Turner, uh, I've gained something from those conversations with him. Uh, the times that I've had uh, interactions with Tony Turner, I've gained something from those interactions. Uh, and I do hope that one day we can be uh, closer, clo more closely aligned ideologically and, and tactically. Uh, however, at this point in time, at the very beginnings of these things, I don't know if I could can even honestly say I had ideology. You know, at the very beginnings of these things, I don't, uh, you know, I was still trying to form that, form that ideology. And so Tony Turner was a person who I uh, communicated with 
uh, as I was forming those uh, that ideology and as I was beginning to decide and uh, which tactics I felt were the most uh, comfortable for me to use. And so as we were having this phone conversation and like I said, I was gaining information and gaining knowledge and wisdom from him. One of the things that he pointed out is that uh, we should go by green fire. He said we should go by green fire because it is a place that. Uh, uh, I don't know if wealthy is the right word, but uh, uh, white people with more means and just people in general with more means go to eat at. Uh, and that if we went there and that if, if we and that if we went to that area, uh, we would guarantee to be disrupting uh, business as usual for a different class of people or people in a different class. Uh, and one of the things Tony Turner was very uh uh, had a very strong emphasis on was uh, or he believed was important was taking these issues to places uh, where people uh, usually can avoid these issues and uh, that is something that uh, I agreed with it was something that uh, I've uh, I've adopted as a uh, I've, ad I've adopted tactically multiple times uh, multiple times since uh, and I have sort of began to be at that place on June 4th when we went out to uh, Saturn Park and so uh, when it, so by the time I saying all these things to say that by the time we get uh, to uh, an hour or two hours before we're going to be going out and meeting at Carlson Ice Arena for uh, this protest uh, I had already and we organizationally uh, had decided that uh, we needed to hit RBIs we needed to hit Woodman's and we needed to hit Greenfire uh, and each for its uh, their own reasons. And so uh, it would be I'll be getting ready, getting my clothes together, listening to speeches again. Uh, at this point in time, I'm completely submerged uh, and, and listening to speeches from the uh, uh the black freedom struggle that was going on in the 60s and in the 70s. And uh, with every speech, I'm uh, learning things that I uh, didn't know before and I'm becoming. All right. This is part two to uh, the Green Fire and Senator Dave uh, podcast episode of the social construct of Leslie. Uh, unfortunately, our as I was recording part one. We would have some technical difficulties that would lead to the recording being interrupted. And so here we are picking up again on part two. I'm not going to lie. I'm heavily frustrated and bothered. I'm not going to. That's not even pissed. I'm pissed off that this shit did that. However, uh, we're going to keep on. We're going to keep it pushing. We're going to keep it trucking. Uh, it's just the part of being outside and not having uh, the best equipment, hopefully, as we keep on going with doing all of these things, we'll get to a place where we got better equipment. Uh, so I want to apologize to anybody who was listening to that episode and had it cut off abruptly. Uh, where we were at on that episode is I was speaking on uh, a couple of hours before we would meet at the Carlson Ice Arena for the uh, protest on June 5th. Uh, I was speaking about how I had been listening to a lot of speeches and uh, I was just sort of under I was unlearning and relearning a lot of things. Uh, and I had a friend that was over. One of my friends was over at the time. And me and him was, you know, talking about all of this and talking about all of our experiences and uh, all of these different things uh, that have really been happening in this last week. Uh, and I would get a uh, 
a text message from the mayor, from the mayor of Rockford, Illinois, Tom McNamara. Uh, and the text message would just ask for me to give him a call when I had a chance. Uh, so I would tell my friend, oh, shit, the mayor texted me. Let me let me call, see what it is that he wants, you know. And I knew it had to be something around uh, the protest that was getting ready to take place. Again, at this point, we had a graphic that had went out that uh, was saying the time and location of the protest. And we had already decided internally about the uh, route and all of these things that we were taking. Uh, and we had already done a die-in once before. So the, the main demonstration we were going to do was going to be a die-in. Uh, I had decided that I was going to, uh, for the first time, bring out handcuffs in the die-in to try Try to uh, amplify the emotions and the energy and the the intensity around the uh, the dying, and so uh, I I would call uh, Tom and uh, you know to ask him what it was that he wanted, and uh, as we were on the phone talking, uh, oh yeah, your core, your core. There you go. Uh, Nah, nah, nah. I, I did have to start over. It fucked up. The, uh, somebody had. I think somebody called and fucked it up. Uh, but so I would uh, I, I, I would return I would give him a call after he would text me asking for me to call I give him a call and uh, while we were on the phone you know he you know asked me how I was doing you know it'd be small talk for a, a little bit you know 35 45 seconds 60 seconds or so uh, and then he would say to me that he had seen uh, the area that we were had put up to that we were going to be at for uh, the next protest that was going to take place today and he had seen that we were uh doing the die-ins and the intersections and he was wondering what intersection we were going to be uh conducting the die-in at today uh and he said he was wondering it because uh they couldn't because he in the words he uses that uh he couldn't let people lay down in the intersection uh of perryville and hold on i got it written down here perryville and riverside he was saying he couldn't let people lay down in the perryville of in the intersection of perryville and riverside because of the fact that it was the only main street that ambulances had to get through or first responders had to get through uh to get to uh javon bay hospital i believe that's the hospital he was speaking about so basically he was saying that this intersection uh was the only one that was available for first responders if they needed to get uh, across town. Uh, and so I would, would, I would tell him that, you know, we hadn't decided, you know, what intersection we were going to uh, do the die-in at, that it wasn't something that was decided beforehand, that it wasn't something that was decided by one person. Uh, I would sort of reiterate to him what I had told to him before at the, uh, the meeting we had had at Swedish American, uh, that I was not, you know, the leader. I was not in charge. I was not... Uh, calling the shots that this was something that was uh collectively decided upon and uh that you know the 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 energy of the people that was at the protest uh would determine you know where we lay down at and uh what the demonstration would be uh so he would reiterate again that uh people couldn't lay down in that intersection because if people lay down in that intersection uh it would be no it would be no uh way for first responders to get across the city uh hold on real quick we got a motorcycle that's coming by i don't know how loud it's gonna be uh and so uh, me and him would get off the phone i hang the phone up and uh my friend would ask me you know you know what y'all you know i had the phone on speaker was me and my friend was talking and so uh you know, he uh, he would ask me, you know, what I thought about what it was that the mayor had just said. And uh, hold on, let this go. Fucking motorcycle go by. Uh, okay, 
uh, he would ask me what it was that I thought about uh, what the mayor had just said. And, you know, I would respond by saying, you know, you know, I was, you know, I was unsure. You know, I didn't know if that was the only street or the only intersection that they could get through. And uh, I didn't know what kind of consequences or what type of uh, things may happen if it was the only intersection that they had to get through. And we laid down in that intersection uh, at this point. Uh, since May 30, if there hadn't been any more subsequent arrests or any more subsequent assaults of uh, people protesting. And uh, at this point in time, again, one of my main uh, concerns uh, was trying to keep people from becoming from getting arrested, was trying to keep people from being assaulted. Uh, and so uh, I would get a call from Tony Turner a little bit later. Uh, and I can't remember uh, the exact initiation of this phone call that I would get with him. But at some point, in, some, in a manner, me and him would end up being on the phone. Uh, and as I was on the phone with, Tony, with Tony, uh, I would ask him uh, if he thought I should lay down in the intersection of uh, Perryville and Riverside. I would tell him that I had got a call from the uh, mayor. The mayor was saying that or I had talked on the phone with the mayor. The mayor was saying that uh, that that was the only intersection uh, for first responders to be able to move freely from one side of the city to the other uh and and did he think it was a bad idea to lay down at that intersection and uh tony would be adamant about uh laying down at that intersection how it was that was the main intersection that if we was going to go out in march if we was going to do these things we had to lay down in that intersection uh and uh and so uh, that would get me leaning more towards uh, the fact that that was the intersection to lay down in. Uh, and then when I would speak to my friend after getting off the phone with Tony and my friend, me and my friend talking about the conversation with the mayor, uh, I would talk to him about, you know, what he thought about laying down on that intersection. And he would say the same thing, that uh, if the mayor was calling because he didn't want us to lay down in that intersection, and that was definitely the intersection that we needed to lay down in. Uh, and so it would be around these. It would be around all of this time that I would uh, get online and I would see on the Rockford Police Department's Twitter uh, that they had uh, put out a tweet saying if people that uh, they were aware of a protest that was going to be taking place in the area of Perryville and Riverside and that if people lay down in the area of Perryville and, and that people could not lay down in the area of the area of Perryville and Riverside and it, that if they did, it would be uh, arrest. Uh, and so that tweet would go up and I would show that free uh, that the tweet to my friend and I would sort of had uh, uh, some conversations with uh, different people uh, about this tweet that had went out uh, and maybe 25 minutes, 30 minutes later after this tweet went up, the tweet would end up being deleted. Uh, and I, I can't and I can't remember this 100 percent at the time. I wish I had my phone, my old phone that the FBI has. That's they've had for over a year uh, since my first arrest on July 31st, July 30th, 2020, July 31st, 2020. Uh, but I believe I messaged the mayor. You know, I believe I messaged the mayor and asked him about uh, this, the tweet that had went up. But uh, regardless, the tweet ended up being deleted. Uh, at this point, I, I was uh, completely dead set on going to uh, laying down on the uh, intersection of Perryville and Riverside. Uh, and so, excuse me, uh, we would, I would leave my home, uh, get a ride to... Uh, to green get green fire get a ride to carlson ice arena uh and then at carlson ice arena uh it would be one of those uh this the same type of thing that happened on june 4th uh and kind of, and pretty similar to what happened at the uh june 2nd at the three marches protest that i spoke about uh but once i got there it would already be about a hundred 
150 people or so that was already there. People were uh, continuing to be pulling up and parking and coming in. People were still coming up on bikes and coming in. People were still walking up and coming in. And so uh, the numbers were steadily increasing. Uh, and uh, the, my, my friend that I had rode with, uh, me and him had talked at my house. So this is a different friend than, than I had than I was having the uh, the phone calls with, with Tony and the mayor around. Uh, different friend that was around than was when I was having the phone calls with Tony and the mayor. Uh, and so this friend was somebody who I, I known for some years and uh, me and him connected through music. Uh, he he had wrote a speech. He wanted to speak when we, you know, got down to Carlson Ice Arena. I was in a place where I was still trying to find multiple community members uh, who could speak about these things. My friend was a, a black man who had grown up in Rockford, Illinois. And so uh, he went and spoke about his experience being a black man uh, growing up in Rockford, Illinois, being a black man growing up in this society. And uh, me and him, as we were riding uh, down to Carlson Ice Arena, we were talking about these different things and just talking about the, the the momentum of the moment that we were in and this movement that we were in and uh, just all the implications that it had and uh, I would get to uh, green fire I keep saying green fire sorry I have this the, the title of the podcast is going to be green fire and Senator day if we go to green fire the, the some of the things that happened at green fire were some of the most notable events of the protest and so excuse me for continuing to say we would go to green fire we would be at Carlson ice arena originally uh, and then at Carlson ice arena it would be a, a young a young woman who would walk up to me with uh, a speaker she had a speaker in a box uh, it was the first time that we had uh, that we got uh, this version of us of this speaker and uh, since we've continued to uh, keep a speaker like this around to be used uh, and I don't know I think like 200 watts or something like that but she brought the speaker to me and she sat in front of me and she said she had uh, ordered it on uh, she ordered it online and she had ordered it because she was uh, at the protest on uh, June 4th and, and June, on the protest of June 2nd and June 4th and she couldn't hear me very well and she felt that uh, she wanted everybody to be able to hear me and hear, all, hear everybody that was speaking and so that was the reason she had uh, uh, made the purchase so we would open the we get the speaker out the box as people were continuing to mass up uh again the news would be here 13 wrex 17 23 rafa register star be uh independent media here it would be uh multiple people with phones and cameras out you know the sort of the same uh uh the same magnitude of, of press that was uh, at these previous events that have went on. Uh, and again, one of the things to uh, I believe is important to point out is that this was uh, as we were here at, on June 5th uh, at Carlson Ice Arena preparing for the uh, fourth protest. All over the nation, people were still continuing to flood the streets to come out uh, preparing for protest. So, uh, hold on, let this. Yeah. Uh, and so. This was still the biggest story that was going on all over the world. Uh, even with COVID happening, even with COVID happening, this was the story, this is the story that was taking up the first front page headlines all over the world. Uh, and so I seen some familiar faces out on June 5th at Carlson Ice Arena, but also seen a bunch of people who I had never seen out on June 5th at Carlson Ice Arena. Uh, and so uh, my friend would uh, speak first. Uh, he would get up there and, and speak and would give a very uh, powerful, impactful statement. As he was speaking, I was going around and talking to uh, members of RYA, going around and making my rounds, talking to different people who were who had, who I maybe I had seen out at previous events, asking them how they were doing, uh, speaking to the bike crew.
crew about the uh, the route, speaking to people about having cars in the front uh, for the route, speaking about uh, what places we were going to stop at and when. Uh, and then after my friend would get done speaking, uh, I would go up and speak. Uh, and the speech that I had written at that time uh, was uh, heavily the you know the main sort of the main concept of it was that uh, Rockford was in a place where Rockford was being judged. You know, similar to how Sodom and Gomorrah had been judged in uh, uh, the Book of Genesis. Uh, and I felt that uh, the the actions that the not only just individuals in the city of Rockford made, but also institutions in the city of Rockford made the actions that they made and, and that they took during this moment uh, would be very. Uh, important for uh what the, the type of things that would uh manifest in the future for these individuals in rockford and for these institutions in rockford that if they were not being if they did not handle these uh these this moment justly if they did not handle this moment uh properly and, and genuinely uh that it would be uh negative repercussions that would come from it uh and you know i i wasn't saying it as a in, in any type of a form of a threat but i was saying it in the form of of a of a fact of that uh uh Historically, when uh, uh, cities or uh, areas or institutions or even people don't deal with the, the uh, unjustness or the uh, corruption that is around them, uh, those things end up uh, uh, destroying, the, destroying the institution or destroying the individual or destroying the city, destroying the area. Uh, and so... Uh, after giving the speech, we would uh, get everybody together, uh, group everybody together. Again, as I had pointed out on June 4th, one of the, the, the manner that we would march in would be uh, having all the banners in the front, uh, having uh, whoever was on the megaphone, you know, which would be me again at this moment, uh, being in the front. Uh, one of the things that I remember happening is... Uh, Right before marching, it was a, a friend of my mother's who had came and who was down there, and they, they had a megaphone. They gave me uh, this megaphone to use uh, while we were marching. Uh, and they, uh, We had a couple other megaphones that were out in the area, and uh, we began to disperse the megaphones to people uh, to help with the chants. And I think that's something that we did on June 4th as well to uh, help with the chants. Uh, and so we would get the cars in the front. Uh, the cars would lead out onto the street, then the bikes would follow the cars out onto the street, and then everybody would begin to march uh, onto the streets, and we'd take the streets. And again, uh, this was uh, something that, you know, even at this point, I wasn't, I had not became fully comfortable with doing the chants. I got into a place where I was able to uh, add a few more chants uh, into the uh, routine. Uh, but for the, for the most part, it was the same chants regularly. Uh, no justice, no peace, Black Lives Matter, uh, fuck the police, you know, things like that. Uh, but it would be also at this time where, uh, and even though I wasn't I don't I can't remember if I was able to implement this or not, but it would be at this time where I would uh, first become introduced with some of the names of the people who uh, had been victims of police terrorism uh, in this city of Rockford, Illinois. And we would begin to try to throw some of those names in there for the chant. Uh, again, uh, these early chants were uh, very much in the early chants and these early protests were very much uh, steeped in uh, national issues. So uh, you would hear name the national names. Uh, George Floyd was a name that was uh, repeated and re uh, over and over again. Ahmaud Arbery was a name repeated over and over again. And Breonna Taylor. These were the, uh, the three uh, 
names of the most note during this point in time. Uh, and so those would be names that we said the most. But this would be the beginning for me personally to become introduced to some of these local names and to be to to start to learn the uh, importance of trying to uh, make this issue a local issue. Uh, and so we would uh, march to uh, to Woodman's first. Uh, the Woodman's grocery store would uh, be open, uh, uh, unlike when we marched uh, near Saturn Park and on Forest Hills Plaza and Target and all of these stores that were closed before. Uh, and as we uh, got to Woodman's, uh, this would be the first time that Terry would uh, speak about the experiences that he had on May 30th. Uh, I remember we got to Woodman's. I didn't have any uh, uh, more of a prepared speech, but I had a couple of outlines and a couple of points that I felt important to hit. Uh, so uh, we would hit those. I would hit some of those points and then I'd have Terry come up and Terry would speak about uh, the things he experienced on May 30th. Uh, and I, I believe that that was uh, one of the. Uh, Again, this was the beginning of this becoming uh, a local issue and this becoming something that was centered uh, directly on things that had happened here. Uh, and so after Terry would uh, give his uh, give his testimony on the things he experienced on May 30th, uh, this would be my first uh, real interaction with Terry. And even at this point, I didn't really uh, know Terry or, 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 or understand Terry or even truly understand the experience Terry had on May 30th. Uh, but it would be my first look into it. Uh, uh, we would march from Woodman's. Uh, we'd take the streets, march Woodman's, and then we would go and, uh, and again, I hope I'm not saying none of these out of chronological order. I'm going to go back and watch the, uh, watch some of these videos to make sure it's in the right order. Uh, but then we would go to the intersection of Perryville and Riverside. Uh, and at the intersection of Perryville and Riverside, we would, uh, conduct the die-in for eight minutes and 46 seconds. Uh, we, I would gather, I tell everybody to gather around, circle, circle up the intersection so that way no cars could come through, uh, let me go to Murphy. No. Okay, we circle up the intersection for no, so no cars could come through. Uh, I would get in the middle of the circle of people in the intersection. Uh, I would bring out the handcuffs that I had in my back in my backpack. Uh, my friend would put the handcuffs on me. Uh, I, you know, this was the, the the first time putting the handcuffs on. Trying to get down on the street was maybe one of the most difficult parts of that entire thing. Uh, uh, without having my arms or my hands to be able to sort of shield me from going to the ground, it was sort of like being dropped to the ground. Uh, and, you know, and it felt very much like being, you know, arrested. And uh, one of the things that I think uh, looking back is very uh, ironic or coincidental is uh, the fact that I, I hadn't uh, been arrested for protesting at this point in time. I didn't get arrested on May 30th. Uh, but the bringing out of these handcuffs and the uh, the artistic uh, arrest that we were doing would be for foreboding for what would come in the future when eventually I would be arrested for doing these same sort of things and uh, and so uh, lay down in the streets 8 minutes and 46 seconds I'd be handcuffed I think one of the main things that I, uh, I remember from this experience specifically of this Diane was uh, the uncomfortability of being handcuffed uh, before when I was laying down I scratched my face a few times as I was laying down and uh, adjusting my arms or my shoulders or adjusting my body to try to be more comfortable on the concrete or as comfortable as possible on June 4th when I did the die-in. And even on June 4th, I didn't initially lay down. It was uh, being on and taking the knee 
and then laying down and everybody else laid down as well. Whereas when we did this die in, everybody laid down immediately. I laid down immediately and was handcuffed uh, and I couldn't, you know, adjust to try to get any more comfortable. Uh, I was completely uncomfortable for the whole eight minutes and 46 seconds. And uh, one of the things that for me would happen is that each one set of these eight minutes and 46 seconds psychologically uh, became uh, a deeper and deeper burden. And so uh, this second set of eight minutes and 46 seconds uh, was uh, was more difficult than the first set of eight minutes and 46 seconds. Uh, and so the, we, it wouldn't be as much uh, uh, vocalizing. Nobody would on the, in the previous one, somebody screamed out some of the things George Floyd screamed out. Nobody screamed out those things at this one, but you was the, the energy was still there. That emotion was still there. I could still hear people crying and uh, I could still hear people taking deep breaths. And again, it was hot, you know, it's hard to, uh, you know, to, remember what the exact temperature or anything like that was but it was fucking hot uh so we get up from the eight minutes and 46 seconds and we get everybody uh gathered and get everybody masked up lined up get the bikes in the front and get the uh the banners in the front and we take to the streets again uh and we would go by rbi i believe we went by rbis first uh, and i don't believe it was that many people outside at rbis it was a few people outside of rbis we was in the lawn in the grass or whatever in the yard for in, in the 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 parking lot for a little bit of time uh and then we would go from rbis to uh green fire and all of this was on the way back to uh where we were headed to uh and i think i might be telling the order the, the order of these places uh out i might be telling us stopping at these places out of order uh i'm, I'm bad with directions uh, but we would get to green fire and at green fire uh we would walk uh, up to it's a patio that they have at green fire it's a bunch of people uh, all, all white people. I don't remember seeing nobody that was not white or white passing sitting down and eating at Green Fire. Uh, but all of these white people would be sitting down eating at the patio at Green Fire, and we uh, would come up uh, all the way onto the patio, and uh, we would be chanting the entire time that we were up there. And uh, it was so many people and so many things going on that I honestly can't remember all the different interactions that people had. Uh, I remember the main thing I was trying to do was uh, make sure that things didn't. Uh, get out of hand or that nothing crazy happened uh, and I was also trying to monitor how long we were there for so that way we could leave but I also wanted to build the tension I didn't want to just pass by there it was people that was out there I felt that it was important for us to build the tension we hadn't had a lot of uh, 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 witnesses to what it was that we were doing and I believe that witnesses were uh, and I still believe to this day that witnesses are one of the most integral parts of these demonstrations uh, and so as we would get up there people would be chanting I would have the megaphone and be chanting uh, and my friend that was with me would go up and talk to uh, who I, I don't know if he was the general manager of the restaurant, the owner of the mes restaurant, but it was somebody who had uh, some type of uh, power or authority at the restaurant. Uh, and uh, the person he was talking to would offer him uh, a microphone that they had at the restaurant. Uh, and so... When they offered him the microphone, he would beckon over to me or let me know that the microphone was up here. So I would walk up. Uh, I would get the microphone. Uh, I would speak for a small second, try to get every Because at this point in time, people are still chanting. Uh, and, and from what I have seen going back, and I don't know which order these the pictures got taken in, but it's this uh, it's these two pictures of you can see these uh, white women that are basically crying and in, in, uh, uh, in tears uh, as people are chanting. You know, they're not being assaulted. They're not. Nobody's throwing their food down. 
down or nobody's uh, uh, even really having a verbal altercation with them. Uh, it's just people chanting. Uh, and I can't I can't sit here and tell you the reason that these white women were crying in this picture. Uh, I would believe that it was some type of white fragility, but it may have been that they were moved by the uh, the magnitude of the moment. You know, I don't know what it was. What's up, brother? Uh, I don't know what it was, but uh, it was some white women who were crying. The, the people, the women who were around them were predominantly women of color. Uh, and so that was one that's one event that had taken place. So as I got the microphone and uh, I try to quiet everybody down and everybody to quiet down for a second, uh, I, I, I speak about, you know, what we were there for. We speak about the things that had happened on May 30th, uh, spoke about the, the climate that was existing in the uh, city currently in the country currently. Uh, in the world currently, honestly. Uh, and then uh, I would, from that point, I would ask uh, for everybody else to, you know, to chant, you know. So I do the same way we have been chanting with the, the megaphone. Uh, we would uh, do the same chants uh, with the with the microphone. I would say George, I give the mic, they say Floyd, or, or put the mic out, they say Floyd, or I say Black Lives Matter, they say Black Lives Matter back, you know, that uh, things of that nature. Uh, so we did that for about maybe... Uh, I think we did it for eight minutes and 46 seconds. That's what I said. I was, I was like, we're going to do this for eight minutes and 46 seconds as well. And then after that, we'll leave. We keep on marching. Uh, so we did that for eight minutes and 46 seconds. And then we all got together, gathered up, and then we continued on marching. Uh, I will come to find out as we were marching and then even later on watching the news and social media uh, that at this point in time, it would be a group of people who uh, would have a uh, contentious interaction with uh senator dave severson uh now before this day i had no fucking idea who senator dave severson was i didn't know any of the uh senators from illinois uh i really only knew who the governor in illinois was because it was so many signs that said uh that had his name or uh, hold on, let's motorcycle go by let's motorcycle go by uh, because there were so many signs that had his name and things like that and things of that nature. So I didn't really know any of these uh, political figures. Uh, as I said, I was you know pretty unfamiliar even with the, uh, the mayor of the city. Uh, but so Dave Severson would have a contentious interaction with some people who were there at the protest uh, and the interact. He would he would get up and leave as people uh, were on this patio uh, protesting and chanting. And as he would get up and leave, a few people would uh, follow him as he were he was leaving with one person filming, asking him why he got up, asking him why, why he was leaving, uh, questioning some of his ideological beliefs. Uh, uh, Severson is a Republican. Uh, I would. Imagine most of the people who he's having these interactions with do not consider themselves Republicans. Uh, and so he would like go inside the store to get away or go inside the store, go inside the restaurant to get away. And, uh, you know, that would that would really be one of the uh, that interaction at Greenfire would be the most notable uh storyline that would come out of the uh, protest that took place on June 5th. Uh, the video would go viral online. Uh, Dave Severson would, put, would, re would release uh, a statement responding to the video being online and responding to this, uh, this moment that happened at Greenfire. Uh, and basically uh, what he said was that uh, that he was being bullied. He was like, uh, I don't, if these people want change, they shouldn't go around bullying people or yelling at people, you know, uh, uh, something of, of that, of that nature. I don't remember what the specific statement was. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't a valid enough statement for me to uh, remember or even respond to. I remember thinking that I was going to respond to it and do it and talk about it. And I never, I just never did. Uh, fuck Dave Severson. Uh, so we would leave, leave green fire, continue marching, uh, uh, 
Now there's a there's a a park. A park? Is it a park? Fuck, do I got it written down here? Let me see. Uh, hold on, hold on, one second. Uh, oh yeah, okay. The pure the Puri Peace Center. Uh, we would march to the Puri Peace Center, which I actually think we did this before the Green Fire interaction. But nevertheless, we marched to the Puri Peace Center, and at the Puri Peace Center, uh, we would have I would think I don't know maybe two hundred people, two hundred, two hundred fifty people, if not that many, uh, close to that many. And again, uh, uh, it was people on bikes and people in cars. Uh, so some of those people parked their cars uh, and walked up to the Puri Peace Center. Uh, the Puri Peace Center for people who aren't from Rockford, Illinois, uh, is basically a uh, it's basically a, a a memorial for uh, a memorial for uh, people who died in, in, in service. Uh, it's got flags and things of that nature up there. So as we we got up here, as everybody began to fill up this area of the Puri Peace Center, they got these water fountains and things of that nature. Water fountains. These what that was called water fountain. Uh, uh, people would fill up this area, uh, and I would ask for people, again, uh, uh, for 8 minutes and 46 seconds, I would tell people to look up names of uh, people who have been killed by the police in the country uh, and just chant those names for 8 minutes and 46 seconds. Uh, if you didn't, if you again, I said told people, if you didn't know any of these names off back, then go ahead and Google the names, get in groups and say the names, but for the next 8 minutes and 46 seconds, we just want people to chant the names of victims of, uh, of police terrorism in the, uh, in the country. And, and again, one of the things I think is important to point out about this, and one of the reasons I felt the need to bring this up, uh, is that this just sort of goes to show the uh, the the, the evolving the, the the way that this movement has evolved to become so deeply rooted in local issues and to so deeply rooted around centered around local victims uh, I don't believe that anybody if if it was anybody it was a very small amount of people who were saying the names of uh, local victims of uh, police violence uh, it was uh, mostly people chaining the names of uh, of, of national uh, significance. Uh, hold on, we gonna let this let this ambulance go by. One second. All right, sorry about that. We outside. Uh, but it would be mostly people saying George Floyd's name, Ahmaud Arbery's name, Trayvon Martin's name, Tamir Rice's name, Sandra Bland. Uh, uh, all of these names of uh, of of national. Uh, of national significance. Uh, and as we get to where we are at today, if that same event was to take place, if those same things were to take place, uh, it would only be local names that uh, would be uh, being asked to be said. Uh, not because the national names aren't important, but because uh, what some of those national names have already garnered uh, are the things that we are trying to get some of these local names to garner. And so, we do that for eight minutes and 46 seconds. Uh, again, news cameras there, people filming. Uh, we mass up, march, take to the streets. And so uh, those were the main stops that we would have during this protest, uh, during this march. It would be uh, the Puri Family Peace, Peace Center, where for eight minutes and 46 seconds, we chanted the names of victims of police, terrorism, uh, mass incarceration, and racial injustice that were of national significance. Uh, we would go to Woodman's, where Terry would give his testimony about being assaulted on May 30th, 2020, outside of District 1. 
Uh, we would go to RBIs uh, to protest the uh, racist uh, bar culture that exists, uh, not only there, but uh, in Rockford in general and Winnebago County in general. Uh, and then uh, we laid down eight, for eight minutes and 46 seconds in the intersection of Perryville and Riverside. Uh, and then we would go to Greenfire uh, to disrupt the uh white fragility or white privilege or uh, white supremacy uh, that exist uh, that existed in uh, that exist in the restaurant or green fire or that exist in that area of town you know uh, and so at this point we will begin marching back to uh, to Carlson Ice Arena uh, Sun was still up uh, get back to Carlson Ice Arena and people uh get back to Carlson Ice Arena it was no more speeches it was you know nothing else really to be done and again we had kept in mind and we did have in the back of our mind in the back of our consciousness that a viable option to end this demonstration would basically or to viable option to end this protest uh would basically be not ending it and that if enough people were willing to stay there that we would stay and continue to occupy this space uh for uh the entirety of the time that the uh space was down there or excuse me entire time the space was down there that we would continue to occupy the space for the entirety of the time uh, that we had people down there. Uh, but as it stands, uh, people began to dissipate and people began to leave and uh, people uh, didn't occupy uh, space in that area. Uh, people did, We did not occupy that space for uh, an extended period of time and people went home. Uh, and we informed people that we would be having another protest on Friday, uh, that we would be putting the uh, information for where that uh, protest uh, would take place at and the, the time it would take place. We would put all of those things up on the RYA Facebook page. So I'll go like the Facebook page to keep up with the Facebook page to uh, keep up with uh, uh, where to meet at, you know, the next day. So people will begin to leave. And again, at this point, I'm in a place where I, I don't leave until the, the overwhelming majority of people have left the area that the protest is at. Uh, I think one of the other things I like to point out the same way I did on uh, the previous episode, well, two episodes ago now. Uh, but when we were speaking about the die, the first die-in protest that took place, I pointed out the heavy police presence that existed outside uh, as we were protesting, uh, the heavy police presence that followed us from Saturn Park to each of the places we were at. Uh, and the same thing is true about uh, this protest that took place. Uh, there was a heavy police presence all through the streets, everywhere we were going. Police officers were uh, uh we're in the area and we're, uh, it, we're, you know, in the streets and, and things of that nature. And so, uh, again, the, the specter of police violence uh, continued to loom over all of these things. Uh, these police were not there to keep us safe or to protect us. Uh, we were in a place where uh, the the biggest threat to our safety had already been proven to be the Rockford Police Department. And so uh, to think that uh, the people who were the biggest threat to our safety would also be the uh, uh, biggest protectors of our safety is, uh, uh, in my belief, uh, is a counterproductive, you know, counterproductive thought. Uh, so I just think that that's another uh, another element that is important to uh, keep people aware of as we talk about these things, that the, this police presence, this police intimidation was something that was uh, still a specter looming over everything going on. Uh, so I will go home. Uh, eventually, as the night ended, I get a ride from a friend home. Uh, and as I got this ride from my friend home, we were still I had we hadn't decided uh, where the protest on Friday was going to take place at uh, and what we were going to do on Friday. Uh, exactly. Uh, 
Uh, and so we were still trying to figure out, you know, what the, the our next uh, steps and course of action was going to be for protest. So that was heavy on my mind. I uh, would get home, continuing to listen to speeches. Uh, I think my books would come in the mail either this day or the day afterwards. So I, I would soon be uh, begin to immerse myself in reading. Uh, and I just was in a place where if I wasn't uh, getting firsthand education uh, by being at demonstrations, firsthand education by organizing, firsthand education by interacting uh, uh, with community members, uh, I was getting uh, uh firsthand information from reading pieces of literature about these things. I was getting firsthand information uh, from listening to speeches about these things. Uh, again, one of the things I'll point out is that at each and every one of the end of, at each and every night, at the end of each and every one of these nights, one of the main things that I would do would be to get on social media uh, and to see if people were still protesting in Oakland, see if people were still protesting in Atlanta, see if people were still protesting in Minneapolis and in, uh, in, uh, in Ohio and in, in New York uh, and and each night I would get on and I would see that people were continuing to be in the streets, that people were continuing to not be discouraged, that people were continuing to be steadfast. Uh, and I can't uh, put into words the importance that they had that that had on me continuing to uh, be steadfast, continuing uh, to uh, be perseverant. Uh, and, and again, this uh, this collective feeling that I had uh, that, you know, in some ways I still have to this day, but just not at the same type of magnitude that I had then this feeling of collectiveness uh, with everybody in this in the country that was going through these things, really with everybody in the world who was going through these things that were going through these protests and these demonstrations. Uh, and, and that that feeling of collectiveness uh, was something that was instrumental in uh, keeping me. Uh, involved in getting me uh, deeper and deeper involved uh, in this movement, in, the, in this struggle. Uh, so on that note, we're going to end this uh, podcast. I'm, I'm sorry that this had to be broken up into two episodes like that. We will release, but I'm going to release both of these episodes at the same time. So if for some reason you listen to this episode first, please go back and listen to part one from this episode. Uh, again, uh, if you, this is the first episode of the social construct of Leslie that you have listened to, please go back and listen to the previous episodes. Uh, and if you're listening to this at a point in time in which has been more episodes released, uh, please continue forward and keep listening to the, uh, to these episodes, uh, until you get caught up to where we are at currently, uh, in the struggle to end police terrorism, mass incarceration and racial injustice in Winnebago County. Uh, so I want to thank people for listening. I want to please I want to ask people to please share this on whatever platform they're listening to it on, no matter when they're listening to it. Uh, and if you're listening to these as they're dropping, uh, it'll be a new episode coming in a couple of days. We'll uh, episode seven, episode seven. Uh, all right. We outside.